Hello and welcome in. Thanks for joining us for this Wednesday edition of the Prairie in Smith podcast. We're excited to continue talking Sunbelt football, but before we do, we wanted to remind you to go back and listen to our most recent episodes where we sat down with new Coastal Carolina head coach Tim Beck and Texas State head coach DJ Kinney to talk about their transitions into their new role. You're definitely not going to want to miss those interviews. Today, though, on episode 79 of the show, we're really excited to recap a historic NFL draft for the Sunbelt that saw a record nine athletes drafted in the seven-round event and many more who would go on to sign deals as free agents and pick up minicamp invites following the draft. Kane, we said all year long that the league was as or more talented than it's ever been, and it seems like that take was spot on. Yeah, it seems like we nailed it, though. I mean, you look at nine guys getting drafted, it's truly an amazing thing for the Sunboat Conference, and I think it's really a testament when you look at the variety of different positions, the variety of different schools, and really just athleticism across the board a lot of these late round picks are kind of based on your athletic build and your production and it's great to see that we had so many people in the sunbelt that were able to do that and will now get that next chance and then also just another group of undrafted free agent guys too who might also get a shot to put their name in the mix too so it's looking like the league year after year is going to have more and more sunbelt representation which is always great for us yeah definitely agree with you there i think kane one thing that maybe we could look to see as the league continues to grow in the future we didn't see any or very many skill position players drafted this year you have some offensive linemen you saw some defensive guys uh but outside of that you aren't seeing the quarterbacks taken you aren't seeing the wide receivers taken consistently i feel like that probably has to change in years to come yeah it'll be very interesting to see how the new world of college football with the transfer portal and the conference realignment changes that because you feel like when you look at the Sunbelt Conference historically, kind of known for that ground and pound run game. You've seen a lot of running backs have success in the NFL as well as a lot of defensive players, who, especially in the front seven. But I think as we see kind of the evolution of different teams who are kind of going with this up-tempo offense, kind of putting more on quarterbacks' plates, maybe we'll see more of an evolution of those quarterbacks and those skilled guys get highlighted in some of these offenses and defenses going forward and might have a better shot to translate to the NFL. Yeah, it will definitely be interesting to keep an eye on moving forward. Well, let's not waste any more time. It's time to jump right into today's topic. We will be discussing the NFL draft and where each of the league's nine players ended up. Uh, I've got some info on them as well, Cade, and you're going to go a little bit more in depth on maybe the roles that they could play uh, in this coming year. But Cade, let's go ahead and get started with uh, the highest draft pick in the Sun Belt this year. Uh, he goes in the fourth round, pick 103 to the New Orleans Saints, and that's Nick Saldaveri, the offensive lineman for Old Dominion. He becomes the first of a program record three draft picks for the Old Dominion Monarchs in this NFL draft. He was only There were only two previous players uh, selected in program history heading into this year. Caden, uh, he can play three of the five spots on the offensive line. Some see him as more of a center at the next level. Some see him as a guard. Uh, right now, some publications have him as the backup left guard for the Saints heading into 2023. Yeah, and the big thing with Nick is just his size. When we talked about it in the process of him going to the senior role, he's a six foot six guy, 360 pounds, 16 pounds, super strong guy, super athletic. And I think when you look at the Saints draft, I think it was very clear they wanted to address two different things. They first wanted to kind of move close to the ball and address some problems they had up front on the defensive front, getting their first two picks as guys who were more run stopper defensive threats in that box, and then. They picked up TCU running back Kendra Miller the round before and then get Nick Salivari after that. So I think when you look at them in this offseason, recently signing Jamal Williams from the Lions at the running back position as well, they already have a guy like Alvin Kamara and then they bring in a great running back like Nick Salivari. I think it's a great fit. And I think it's very clear what the Saints are going to want to do and try to do with him. And also, this is a guy who can protect the quarterback as well. He allowed zero sacks 
in his senior season at Old Dominion. They bring in their new quarterback in Derek Carr. So it looks like they got their guy, Nick, that can kind of do it all as far as the run game and the pass blocking game with that NFL body and that NFL size. So very excited to see what they do with them and how they utilize them in a very competitive division going forward this season with the Saints. Yeah, I think this is a huge pickup for the Saints. I like where he landed here. And and like you said, I think he'll play a big role on this team uh, moving forward. Uh, Another Sunbelt guy down uh, in New Orleans. So, Caden, I think you and I are going to have to make a trip down uh, to New Orleans sometime to uh, watch a Saints football game and catch up with some of these uh, Sunbelt players playing in the NFL. Caden, we'll move on to a guy who was picked four picks later, and that was uh, Jake Andrews out of Troy. He becomes the... Only Trojan player selected off of that historic 2022 team. He goes in the fourth round, pick 107, uh, to the New England Patriots. So he will be on Bill Belichick's offensive line and be trying to protect Mac Jones, Bailey Zappi, and other quarterbacks on that roster. He became only the second Trojans offensive lineman in program history to hear his name called in NFL drafted. Caden, it it sounds more and more after he made that transition from the guard position to that center position that that probably is going to be his home at the next level. Yeah, and I think you talked about the versatility of Nick Saldivari. I think Jake Andrews takes it to a whole nother level. When we talked, you talked to Jim Nagy, he talked about him being the smartest guy in the program, just a really high football IQ guy. And we all know that Coach Belichick in New England, that's just a great fit. But when when talking about that versatility, I mean, this is a guy – when he first came to Troy, played three seasons as a reserve lineman and as a blocking tight end as he was kind of getting his way into his body and gaining some weight for the college level. And then he plays as a backup at the three interior line positions, makes some starts at guard in his junior year and then moves to center his senior year in Excel. So if you look at this team and this Patriots team, they've drafted a lot of offensive linemen very recently. They even drafted UCLA guard Antonio Maffi in the very next round with their very next pick. And this is a guy that might not have as much versatility as a guy like Jake Andrews. And you look at them in the past drafting a guy like Cole Strange, another offensive lineman last year, and a guy who kind of rotated from them last year, even being a first round pick, along with two other linemen that they had. This team is trying to find out who their five guys are going to be up front to protect Mac Jones and whoever their quarterback is of the future. And I just feel like Jake Andrews, with his versatility and his IQ, is going to be a great fit for this team, kind of being wherever he needs to be for this team and maybe being able to beat out some people in multiple spots versus just one and really having value on this Patriots team going forward. Yeah, it's always value to be that Swiss Army knife, particularly on a position like the offensive line where it feels like injuries happen quite frequently. So an opportunity perhaps for Jake Andrews to pick up some valuable snaps in his rookie year. Caden, I do feel like Nick Saldaveri and Jake Andrews, the two offensive linemen that went first, they were really helped by that pre-draft process. They had a good senior bowl They each had good workouts on their pro days, and they're rewarded for it with uh, the two highest picks in the Sun Belt this year. Yeah, it's definitely great because earlier in this draft, there was kind of a big drop-off between the top tackles in this draft and some of the top offensive linemen and everybody else. And it was kind of cool to see a mini Sun Belt run almost of great offensive linemen who might not have those same film and reps against some of the top talent we see in the country, but still have a ton of value, can prove their size and strength in bowl games and throughout their careers. And obviously, the pre-draft process did some great things to turn some heads and get drafted relatively early compared to the rest of the field in their position for this draft. Yeah, and the Sun Belt, uh, we'll get to it a little bit later on, Kate. I know you're excited about it, but they also had a third offensive lineman that was drafted, someone that you've played for, or played with, rather. Uh, so we will talk about him a later, a little bit later on in this episode. Kate, let's move on to the third Sun Belt player selected, and this was uh, a defensive back out of South Alabama, Darrell Luter Jr., He goes in the fifth round, pick 155 to the San Francisco 49ers. I really like this spot for Darrell Luter. 
This was the third consecutive year that South Alabama has had a player drafted. You all remember Jalen Tolbert, who was selected in the third round, pick number 88 last year. Kawan Baker went the previous year in the seventh round, pick number 255. Caden Durrell was the first defensive player from South Alabama selected in an NFL draft. We'd only seen offensive players selected in previous years. And when you look at some of the published depth charts early on, it, it does feel like Darrell Luter will have a chance to maybe pick up some snaps, some reps at one of those cornerback spots for the 49ers heading into this year. Yeah, I mean, if you're a defensive back, really just a defensive player, and you get the call from the San Francisco 49ers, you just have to be excited and have to be ecstatic just looking at their track record and what they've been doing recently. When you look at a guy like Darrell, who had 10 pass breakups last season, four interceptions, sorry, in 2021, and then when he was targeted, had a 3.9 passer rating. He's a pure cover guy and has a very unique and special skill set that when you look at a team like San Francisco, you have to imagine they're going to be able to get the most out of him. This is one of the most loaded rosters in the league and one of the smartest front offices, GMs, and operations. So when you have a ton of talent on your defense already, you can afford to draft guys like Luther who maybe are very specific and have a very specific skill set like those coverage skills. You talked about that cornerback position. They do have a pretty loaded group as far as secondary players that can do a bunch of different things. And I think when you look at this defensive scheme, got to see him getting put maybe in the slot, maybe out wide. Whatever he can do best, I have to feel like a place like San Francisco is going to be able to lean into their talents. They also drafted a safety, Jair Brown, as a Penn State guy. That's also just another great, versatile player. So when you look at those guys that they've brought in at the minimum, at the floor, these are going to be people that can definitely produce regularly on special teams in them. But I would look out for really any player drafted by San Francisco to just be a hit. These are people that know what to do when they're getting t- given talent, and this is a very talented guy they're getting in Luther. So super excited to see what he can do for not only a great roster and a great team, but a winning team that we might be able to see and play in the playoffs, which would be awesome. Yeah, that certainly would be exciting. And I like the point you made about special teams, perhaps early on in his career, an opportunity to maybe make a name for himself and then start to get into some of those reps uh, with the starting defense. So nice pickup there for the San Francisco 49ers. I think another point too with Luter is he played injured for most of the year. He was kind of wearing that club on that hand. And so now he'll be fully healthy. And what will that look like? Will we see a return to form of what we saw a couple years ago from Darrell Luter. Caden, we'll move on to the fourth Sunbelt athlete who was selected in this NFL draft, and you're already pumping your fist for the viewers who can't see. This was the edge rusher, Nick Hampton, who went in the fifth round, pick number 161 to the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, He became one of two App State draft picks in this year's draft, and that marked the fourth straight year that an App State player has been selected in the NFL draft. Caden, you're going to love this. This is going to be music to your ears, but App State, they've now had 16 draft picks in the last 16 drafts, and he's the fifth Mountaineer selected since 2020. So it feels like this is the premier program in terms of sending players to the league, the App State Mountaineers. Caden, expecting to see him maybe get some playing time at that outside linebacker position. Maybe they rotate him in as one of those edge rushers. Uh, up alongside an off or a defensive line that also sports uh, a guy named Aaron Donald. Yeah, super excited for Nick Hampton here. This is a guy that's from South Carolina, went to school in North Carolina, is now going to have a big change in scenery going to the LA Rams and joining a player that we have at App State as well, Sean Jolly, who's on the roster. So a great connection there. But you talked about it. When you look at this defense and this fit with Nick, I think it's just another one that was nailed perfectly and hit on the head. You talk about him being a 235-pound guy, 
was super long arms, 34 inch arms and an 81 inch ring span. And the Ram has just released Justin Hollins, Terrell Lewis and Leonard Floyd, who are a lot of guys that have been very prominent and big for them on that edge rusher spot. And then when you look at what they bring in, also had another edge rusher player like Byron Young from Tennessee get drafted before Nick. They also had Kobe Turner, who's an interior defensive lineman from Wake Forest. So it's clear that the Rams are trying to invest in this defensive front. And you would normally think having a player drafted in your class at the same position would be a bad thing. But Byron Young has a very different size and skill set than Nick. I think they're going to even be able to maybe use both of them at the same time if they can both hit. Nick has more of those pass rushing tendencies with those long arms. Byron's more of a bigger body guy. So I think it's going to be exciting to see that both of them could potentially be used with a guy like Aaron Donald with his presence on the inside. And just looking at edge players in this defense that's been run by Raheem Morris the past couple of years, that edge rusher spot has a ton of production with sacks and TFL. So very excited to not only see Nick, but maybe some other members of this Los Angeles Rams defensive front be able to help each other out with different plays and play at a high different level. It was huge for Nick Hampton to get off the board right here, Caden. We you know, talked early on in this draft process. There was some hype about him being a second or a third round pick. I feel like the pre-draft process maybe hurt him a little bit. The NFL draft machine uh, caught Nick Hampton up a little bit. So to land in a very good spot, a, a Los Angeles Rams team that's known for their defense, I feel like this is ideal scenario for Nick after seeing maybe his draft stock slip a little bit, but still has a path forward to being a fantastic NFL defender. Uh, Kane, let's move on to uh, pick number six in the Sun Belt. Or actually, this is the fifth one. This was uh, a bit of a surprise here, Caden. Um, it was the defensive back Eric Scott out of Southern Miss. He goes in the sixth round, pick number 178. I only say it was a bit of a surprise because this wasn't a guy that you saw at the NFL Combine. There wasn't a lot of pre-draft hype about him, uh, but he, he has a good pro day. He goes on to have a good pre-draft process and becomes the uh, first Southern Miss player drafted since the 2020 season when we saw Quez Watkins uh, go to the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Kane, he also becomes the first defensive player drafted since 2018 when both uh, Tarvarius Moore and Cornell Armstrong were both selected that year. So first member of the Nasty Bunch selected since 2018. And Kane, he's expected to kind of fight for reps at one of the cornerback positions in the offseason and maybe into training camp. I definitely think it will be a little bit of a battle for him to maybe be on that 53-man roster, but you could also see him playing a lot on special teams this year as well. Yeah, huge shout out to Eric Scott. This is obviously a person we didn't talk about too much heading into the pre-draft process. was a little bit under the radar, but clearly did some great things to build his name up and build some stock up and put himself in a position to get drafted by the Cowboys. The thing that he really did that was able to jump out, I think, is just his size. He's six foot, 200-pound corner. That's a great athlete at Pro Day. He had the best jumps by far for Southern Miss. He was a 39-and-a-half-inch vertical jump guy and an 11-foot broad jump guy at pro day. So I think that really jumped out to some of the evaluators and also played big and had some big interceptions in that two lane game on some of the biggest stages that this team had this year. But you look at his journey. This is a guy that went to Illinois state, then went to Butler community college before he came to Southern Miss and really came onto the scene and made a huge impact in his career there, getting some interceptions, getting some pass breakups and really proving his ball skills. And I think you talked about it. When you look at this Cowboys team, this is obviously a team that has Trayvon Diggs on the outside, who's a former leader in the league as far as interceptions goes. And then they pick up Stefan Gilmore this offseason, who's a former defensive player of the year. So those two corner spots are probably going to be solidified for a guy like Eric Scott. I think he's going to be able to show if he has a lot of value, if he can cover in that slot position, cover some slot 
slot receivers, maybe even cover some tight ends with his size. So if, I think if you can prove some of his worth and coverage in that nickel and that dime spot in the slot, he might be able to make the team in the 53-man roster as well as what you were talking about before with him having some value in special teams. Yeah, he could be a guy that uh, does see some playing time this year. So again, a bit of a surprise here, but great for Eric Scott to get an opportunity in the NFL. He goes in the sixth round, pick number 178 to the Dallas Cowboys. And Caden, much like we saw early on in this draft, this set off a little bit of a a run on Sunbelt defensive backs. The next guy we saw go was Trey Hawkins out of Old Dominion. Another guy that there hadn't been a lot of pre-draft noise about, but he goes in the sixth round, pick 209 to... The New York Giants, baby. The New York Giants. Your your team right there, uh, he becomes the second Monarch off the board, uh, joining Nick Saldaveri. There's one more to follow. We'll get to him briefly in a moment. Uh, but Caden, he's another guy that expects to be in that cornerback mix uh, for the New York Giants this coming season. He's a exciting player that I think uh, Giants fans are going to like. Yeah, very similar to Eric Scala we talked about before. Just shout out to Trey Hawkins, man. Another guy that had to take the junior college route, went to Trinity Valley Community College in Texas before making his way to Old Dominion. And then the year he gets to Old Dominion, it's a COVID year. So he has to set out a year and really step up his game year after year. But we talked about it before. Just like Scott, he's a guy that has a ton of athletic attributes, was a decorated football and track star in high school. He's a guy who's jumped off the page as far as some of the athletic plays he's been able to make in his career with pass breakups and interceptions. That's clearly what was attracted to the New York Giants team, which from being a fan, I can tell you firsthand, this is a team that did have their struggles in the secondary. That's a very big position of need. And I think you can see that in their first round pick, them trading up to get Maryland corner Deontay Banks, who some had regarded as one of the top three or four cornerbacks in this class. They also drafted a safety. So I think with Hawkins being in this position, it's kind of up for grabs in the New York Giants secondary right now. They're going to play who they feel is going to be the best guy. I think this is kind of program and a culture that they have now brought into the team. But they don't really care about draft status or who you are. They're trying to get their best guys out on the field. And I think it's going to be more of an open competition in that secondary just because they had some losses and didn't look that great like last year. So I think if Hawkins can really prove himself and step up big in camp and show some value, I think this can be a guy on this defense who really needs some help in that area, specifically in the secondary, could help out and maybe make an impact going forward. Yeah, definitely a big-time opportunity for Trey Hotkins there. So two Sunbelt defensive backs going in the sixth round. First, it was Eric Scott to the Cowboys, then Trey Hawkins to the New York Giants. So a bit of a run there on defensive backs. Okay, and we'll move on to the first Sunbelt pick in the seventh round, and that was Zach Kuntz uh, out of Old Dominion, the tight end. He was a player that did have a lot of hype uh, leading into the draft process. He had an otherworldly combine. We saw multiple media outlets doing stories on his journey. This is a player that started at Penn State, ended at Old Dominion, dealt with injuries early on this year, and then was able to rebound and just put together a masterful performance at the Combine. Caden, he goes in the seventh round pick, or seventh round pick number 220 to the New York Jets. And Caden, he had to have a big grin on his face because he gets an instant upgrade at quarterback from Hayden Wolf. Aaron Rodgers there in New York. Uh, And Caden, he becomes the third draft pick for Old Dominion in the NFL draft this year. That was the most of any Sunbelt team. We'll talk about that more in a moment. But Caden, it looks like he's going to be pretty far down the tight end depth chart, and it might be hard for him to make the 53-man roster out of camp. If he does, he probably isn't going to get us a lot of snaps early on in his career. Yeah, I think it's very interesting when you just look at Zach Kuhn's career arc and journey and the opportunity he's not having to play with one of the best quarterbacks of all time. You're talking about a guy who we've talked about six foot eight, 250 pounds, athleticism out the roof, goes to Penn State, then has to come to Old Dominion. And 
doesn't get to play as much as he obviously wanted to last year with his injuries, which is why I feel like he slid so far in the draft. And you can even look at GM Joe Douglas talking about it. He talked about him testing through the roof and how he did slip this far just because of the injuries and feels like that's someone that has the side speed, length, the jumps, everything that you'd want in a player just feel that they felt like they couldn't draft him any sooner because of the injuries. But you look at this tight end position, I think it's really becoming the premier position in the NFL and across football. When you look at the Travis Kelsey's of the world, making it more and more relevant this year, you had the first six tight ends go in the first two rounds. You had 15 go total. So I think when you look at this group and kind of just Zach in general, but the group as well at large at the tight end position, I feel like this rookie class as a, as a whole has an opportunity to really set a new precedent and maybe add more value to the position that we might have seen in the past. And I think when you look at Zach, you talked about that depth chart and all the tight ends that they already do have on the roster. There's not a ton of them, though, that have that 6'8 frame, that have that speed and have that size and strength that he does have. So maybe he'll be able to add an element of versatility to this offense, to that tight end room specifically that hasn't been seen before. And historically, Aaron Rodgers is a guy that loves to use tight ends. He's utilized them in the past. When you think about some of the guys like a Robert Tanya you saw last season. So I think if he can be a guy who has that connection with Aaron Rodgers like that as a reliable target for him, I think that'll go a long way because he's kind of tended to lean towards some of the maybe underrated, under-recruited talent that might have a better connection with him. I'd show some promise. So I think if he can build that trust with Aaron Rodgers early combined with his unique athleticism, size, speed, skill, maybe he will have a chance to prove himself and add a different element to the tight end room that they don't have already there in New York. Hey, maybe he needs to go on one of those darkness retreats that Aaron <laughs> Rodgers went. They could go together and build a relationship there. But, Caden, all great points right there with Koontz. And, you know, I did find it interesting. I was watching the NFL draft at this point of the draft. Uh, this was probably the first time in my lifetime that I've ever been watching the draft in the seventh round. I was just that interested to see who would go at this point of the draft. But um, I thought it was interesting to hear Mel Kuyper and, and Todd McShay talk about Zach Koontz and talk about wanting to see him kind of grow in terms of his love of the game for football. They said that you can cut on the tape at times and it doesn't look like he ult- that he really wants to be out there. So I think that has to improve here at the next level, but he's always had the physical traits. So it will be really interesting to see how he translates to that next level. Okay, let's move on to a name that I think both of us were excited, but uh, you know, a little surprised to see go off the, off the board in the seventh round. And that was offensive lineman Cooper Hodges out of App State. Um, you know, he is one of the Bulls. He has one of the best beards on that team. Uh, he was a seventh round pick, pick number 226 to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And he became the second App State player selected in this draft. Remember, we talked about Hampton back in the fifth round. And this was actually the second draft in the last three that App State has had two players selected. Caden, he could very well contribute on an offensive line this season in front of uh, a guy named Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I don't have much notes on this because I was just so excited and ecstatic. I can talk about a guy like Cooper Hodges all day. I mean, I'm so happy for him. I love this guy and I feel like it's a perfect fit. He's from Jacksonville, Florida. He's from Baker County. So he's a hometown kid really making his dreams come true being drafted by the Jaguars. But you talk about it. This is a guy with a ton of experience, a ton of intensity and fantastic leadership. He's the kind of O-lineman you want on your team. He'll run through a wall from you. He'll talk trash from you. There's been moments on the field where he's been so tired. He's thrown up and still gotten after it. This is a very intense player and the kind of offensive lineman you could see having his game translate. He tested fantastic at Pro Day for his size, did great in the short area quickness drills and in his 40-yard dash. And you talked about it. This team has their franchise quarterback. They know that Trevor Lawrence is going to be their guy moving forward, and it's very clear that they made that a priority in this draft. They also drafted Anton Harrison, an offensive tackle out of Oklahoma in this draft. So I think they're putting a priority on trying to protect Trevor. And when you look at a guy like 
Coop that's an all-conference guy who's just used to the game as a veteran, smart, savvy, and has all of the small intangibles that you might not get from all of the offensive linemen when you compare it to his size and the other stuff he brings to the table. I think he's the kind of guy you could see making on hard knocks when you watch. And it's like, oh, I love this guy. He just brings everything to the table. He might not have this or that, but he's going to bring it all. Coop's going to bring it all. And I feel like if he can prove his worth early, he's going to stick. And he has one of those infectious personalities where I can see the Jaguars being like, this is the kind of guy we want on our team, whether he's a practice squad guy, a guy playing for us. He's the kind of offensive line, you know, is going to learn his job, take care of his job and handle business week in and week out. Yeah, I was really excited to see this pick and particularly the outpouring of uh, love and support from a lot of the App State football players. He's been a big part of this team over the last couple of years. Caden, I know he was there while you were there. I've never heard someone say a bad word about Cooper Hodges. So really excited to see one of the true good guys out of the league get an opportunity to play at the next level and particularly with a team as good as the Jacksonville Jaguars. Caden, we'll move on to the final member of the Sun Belt that was selected in the 2023 NFL Draft, and that was edge rusher Andre Jones out of Louisiana. He goes in the seventh round, pick 233 to the Washington Commanders. It's still weird saying that, Uh, but he was the only Louisiana player selected in the NFL Draft. He becomes the league-leading 18th selection from Louisiana since they joined the Sun Belt. He's one of 10 uh, Louisiana players selected since 2016. Kane, he's going to fight for a spot on that 53-man roster with the Commanders heading into this fall. Yeah, it's interesting because we talked about it. I think him, Kuntz, some of these late-round picks really got the leg up on some other guys with their athleticism and their physical traits. We talk about him being a six foot five, 258-pound guy who had 60 tackles, 9.5 TFLs, and 6 sacks last season. But it was interesting because he suffered an injury actually at the Combine in February and had to sit out of Louisiana's Pro Day in March. So he kind of had to save himself and show what he had in individual workouts to in front of scouts a couple weeks later. And it's clear that he impressed Washington and his abilities. And this was a team who, again, was trying to load up at that position, got Clemson edge rusher KJ Henry in this draft, who's also a very, very talented player, very athletic guy. But it's interesting because the commanders actually declined Chase Young's 2024 option, which could leave them with two free agents at that position heading into next season. I know Ron Rivera kind of wanted to use it as motivation for Chase Young, kind of gauge his health coming off of that 2021 knee injury and see his commitment to the team. So I think it should be interesting overall that position group. And it's going to be real interesting to see what Andre Jones can bring to the table for this team that kind of has some strange up and down question mark situations going on at that edge rusher spot. Yeah, also a great opportunity to to learn from some of those guys on that, that front. Uh, some top 10 draft picks there uh, back in the day. Well, those were the nine guys selected out of the Sun Belt in the 2023 NFL Draft. Again, a record, a banner year for the league. Uh, It started in the fall with the season and now continues into the offseason with the most players selected in Sun Belt Conference history with nine. Kane, we promised our listeners a little update, too, as well on uh, some notable uh, undrafted free agents that were selected. I know I've got a list here. You've got a list that we'll kind of go through and there's a couple of people that uh, were both a little surprised are still unsigned or that haven't gotten an opportunity, so we'll get to that in a moment. But I'll run down through my list. Uh, you know, we saw Arkansas State quarterback James Blackman gets uh, signed by the Miami Dolphins. I thought that that was exciting for uh, James Blackman. A couple of App State guys getting opportunities. Cameron Peoples signs with the Carolina Panthers. That's a, a group that likes to run the football. Uh, he will be in a backfield that's shared by the number one overall pick, Bryce Young. Uh, They also had defensive back Stephen Jones signed with the Tennessee Titans. So a couple of App State guys there uh, signing deals uh, after the draft. 
Coastal Carolina, you saw Gerard Clark, who many thought would get drafted in the first seven rounds of the draft. He went undrafted. He ends up signing with the San Diego Chargers. Uh, Lance Boykin, another guy whose stock was sky high two years ago, had a disappointing year this year. He ends up with the Seattle Seahawks uh, with a UDFA deal. Kaylin Laybourne signed with the San Francisco 49ers. Really like that pick. I'll get your thoughts on that in a moment. Uh, We also saw Louisiana running back Chris Smith sign with the Seahawks along with Lance Boykin. Couple more here. Jalen Wayne signs with the Buffalo Bills. Jason Brownlee, who it felt like he sat as that that top player available, according to Mel Kuyper, for like the last two rounds of the draft. He ends up not getting drafted, signs with the Jets. So him and Zach Kuntz will be on the same roster. A uh, couple of rookie minicamp invites as well, primarily here for the quarterbacks. JMU quarterback Todd Santeo has a rookie minicamp invite for the Kansas City Chiefs. So he'll get to share a opportunity there with Patrick Mahomes. Uh, JMU wide receiver Chris Thornton also received a minicamp invite from the Baltimore Ravens. Kane, this one's interesting as well. Georgia Southern quarterback Kyle Van Treese, he's going to rookie minicamp with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as well as the Indianapolis Colts. And then I mentioned a couple of guys that you and I were both a little bit surprised haven't gotten any opportunity, and one of those is, is Troy linebacker Carlton Marshall, uh, all-time leader in tackles in Division One history, still without an opportunity at the next level. And then Caden, Unfortunate story here, but Louisiana wide receiver Michael Jefferson remains unsigned. He was a guy that there was a lot of talk that he might get drafted, and then he was in a car accident leading up to the NFL draft, and it's going to be a long road to recovery. So certainly hope he's able to recover and get that NFL opportunity that he certainly deserves. Yeah, I'm going to definitely reiterate and touch on some of the people you mentioned because I just feel like it is worth mentioning some of those specific fits they're going to have with their invites. But for all these guys, just wishing them even more luck than the drafted guys. I think people who I've talked about that have gone through this process, it's, it's tough to make it as a free agent. It's no secret that this is somewhat of a version of a tryout and the teams really don't owe you much when you're coming to these camps. So these kids are worth it. A lot of these guys are under-recruited, unranked prospects that are now going to prove it again. But you talked about it. It's obviously exciting to get a guy like Camp Peoples going to the Panthers with the number one overall pick, um, Bryce Young and that backfield. But I think the Kalen Laborn move to San Francisco is a little bit more intriguing to me just because of what he's proven and what the San Francisco offense has proven with their dynamic running attack. This is a team that's used a variety of different running backs throughout the year. It doesn't matter what string you are, whether it's injuries or whatever it may be. This team is not afraid to use two, three, four, five running backs during a game. So very excited to see how that fit goes. And I think He's talked about Jason Brownlee as well with the Jets. That's a new offense that's getting revamped. He's there with Zach Kuntz. He's there with Aaron Rodgers with some weapons. So I think if he can so show some value as well at the wide receiver position, he might be able to get a shot. And I think looking at fits as well with receivers, Jalen Wayne from South Alabama going to the Buffalo Bills, I think could be a potentially good fit. They're trying to fix some things and change some things on offense. You saw them trading up and getting Dalton Kincaid out of UConn the tight end in this class as well. So I think he might have an opportunity when this offense has to make some tweaks and changes, maybe working alongside a guy like Stefan Diggs would be great. But as far as fits go as well, I think Jason James Blackman signing with the Dolphins. We know there's some uncertainty about the quarterback situation there with Tua. So I think it'd be very interesting to see if he can prove some worth as a backup and maybe work his way into some playing time this year. That'd be a cool thing. And then just looking at some teams as far as what they bring to the table and what Sunbelt players are bringing to the table, Stephen Jones out of App State signs with the Tennessee Titans, and this is a team that had the worst pass defense in the league. So maybe if he can make some plays, he's a big-time guy who loves getting his hands on the ball. If he can make some plays in the preseason, I think that would be big for him and this defense. And same with the Minnesota Vikings, who had the second-worst defense in the league last year. They get a guy like Abraham Boplan out of Marshall who signs with them and Georgia Southern quarterback Najee Thompson. So maybe they'll be able to compete on a defense who's in disarray right now during camp and make some noise. Same with a guy like Quavian White of the Cardinals 
they're building a new roster right now. They're trying to figure some stuff out, and he's a big playmaker too, very similar to Stephen Jones, a guy who can make plays, get his hands on the ball, and do some dangerous things with them in the secondary. So I think that's a great spot for him to prove that as well. Same with Jordan Hellig, actually, from App State. He's a guy who you might not know is not a familiar face or name, but didn't play a ton on defense, but was a great special teams guy and has a ton of value. And what team does he go to for or get an undrafted deal with? The New England Patriots, who clearly has a priority and a precedent set in that very specific skill set of being a special teams guy. And they also only signed three guys. I mean, the Baltimore Ravens signed 20 guys to their undrafted free agent deal. So I think that's a good side for him. And then kind of on the opposite side, you look at a guy like Lance Boykin, from Coastal Carolina signing to Seattle. That worries me a little bit just because they have bolstered up that secondary ton. They drafted Tariq Woolen last year. They drafted a cornerback as well with their first pick this year and have four other corners getting signed. So it looks like a little bit more of a competitive situation. But I think when you look at these guys and these undrafted free agents, the fit is very important. We talked to Jalen Burge on this podcast about how important his fit and his role was to the Denver Broncos and that working out. And a lot of these guys have different options. Some of them might have one option, but got to hope that they can all find a team where they can stick, where they can fit, where they can put their head down and work and really have their talents show the light of day. So very excited for these guys and wish the best for them going forward with their undrafted free agent opportunities. Yeah, ultimately, as an undrafted free agent, you're just looking forward to that opportunity, a chance, and you have to hope that some of these guys uh, can take advantage of that. So that wraps up our draft coverage uh, for 2023. And now we look ahead to the fall and maybe another banner year in terms of talent selected next year. Well, that will do it for this episode of the Frarian Smith Podcast. Thanks again for continuing to support the show throughout the offseason. We're excited to continue interacting with you throughout the remainder of the offseason as we get you set for the 2023 Sunbelt football season. Before you go, don't forget that we'll be back with the next episode of the Frarian Smith Podcast on Wednesday, May 10th. Caden, App State Athletic Director Doug Gillen uh, will finally join the show to discuss the issues affecting college football, the Sunbelt, and App State University in the first interview in a series featuring some of the Sunbelt's key decision makers. That'll do it for us here at the Ferry and Smith Podcast. As always, if you like today's episode, please like, rate, and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us and the show out. We're going to continue to be here all offseason, keeping you up to date with all the latest happenings from around the league. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, and Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Freire. We really appreciate you spending time with us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.